Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. One reason for world peace during the coming millennial kingdom, Satan will be locked up for the whole time. Revelation chapter 20 details the devil's incarceration. Today, more teaching on a literal thousand-year reign of Jesus. From the Moody Church in Chicago, this is Running to Win with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, whose clear teaching helps us make it across the finish line. Now, Erwin Lutzer continues a series on The King is Coming, Preparing to Meet Jesus. In this, the eighth of ten messages, we look toward a time when the king reigns in his kingdom. Now, how are you all doing out there, by the way? Is everybody still with me? It's maybe a little bit like drinking from a fire hydrant today, but I want you to stay with me because we've got some things to still share that will dazzle your imagination. What are some of the characteristics of this kingdom that we hear about? Well, one of them is, most assuredly, that Jesus rules. I mean, you can go to the Psalms and you can see that. Psalm 2, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. All the way through, God is talking about a time of utopia on earth when Jesus Christ rules. So Jesus rules. The curse is partially lifted, not totally lifted. There's another passage in Isaiah that says a child shall die when he is a hundred years old. That's obviously not a reference to heaven. That's a reference to the kingdom. And it means that there will be longevity. In other words, if you die at the age of a hundred, you're dying young. Whereas today to die at the age of a hundred is to die very old. And uh, the lion and the lamb shall lie down together. There's not going to be any overt rebellion, but eventually there will be. And Jesus shall rule. By the way, do you understand now that Christmas carol that all of us love, Joy to the World? I often sing it with a smile, especially when we get to verse 3 and 4. Because you see, the joy to the world, the first stanza can apply to the coming of Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. But when you get to the other stanzas, 2, 3, and 4, that's millennial reign of Jesus. Isn't it in stanza 4, it says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glory of His righteousness and the wonder of His grace? I don't think so. I don't see that today when I read today's headlines. Jesus is not making the nations prove anything. He's being faithful to his people, but that is millennial reign on earth. In fact, another stanza says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. You've got to be kidding. I'm a farmer's boy. There are plenty of thorns infesting the ground. Those are millennial passages, but we sing them at Christmas, and it's fine to sing them, but just let know that Isaac Watts was not only thinking about the first coming of Jesus, but the second coming of Jesus in Bethlehem. Well, folks, now we get to the biggie. It's time for you to take your Bibles, and everybody has a Bible because everybody brings his or her Bible to church. And we're in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, and what a book it is. Now, what we need to do 
is to read a few passages from the 20th chapter of Revelation. Chapter 19, we learned last time, Jesus returns. Chapter 20 now follows with the millennial kingdom that we've been describing and all the promises of the Old Testament. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And then he must be released for a little while. Wow, time for us to stop. By the way, when it says the pit, that is not hell yet. That is a holding place for evil spirits. And Satan, I love this passage. An unnamed angel, we don't know who in the world it is. Jesus says to an ordinary angel, hey, come here, I've got a job for you. I'm going to empower you. Take Satan and put him into the pit. Now, undoubtedly, the chain is probably symbolic. But the point is, he has a chain, he has the key to the bottomless pit, and all that the angel has to do is to say, Satan, I'm, I'm under God's authority now. Come over here. We've got a place for you. You're going to be incarcerated for a thousand years. Come on, get into the pit. And Satan says, if God says it, I have to do it. Don't you like that? The absolute authority of Jesus and his angels over Satan. And when you read this, six times you read for a thousand years. Have you ever wondered, where did the idea come from that the millennial kingdom was a thousand years? Well, it's in this passage. What I am teaching you today is called premillennialism. The word millennial, referring to a thousand years, premillennial means that Jesus returns before the millennium. Now, with that introduction, let's go through the passage. So one of the other characteristics of this period of time is that Satan is bound. By the way, this is a parenthesis. I read all millennial people who believe that we're in the millennium now. That's one of the ways to explain it. And I have in my library a book on counseling that says if you ever encounter someone who says that he's encountered a demon or the devil, you can be sure he's wrong because this is the millennium and Satan is bound. Anybody out there believe that? I have to say today that if Satan is bound in this era, he's got a very long chain. I need to tell you that. No, we believe this is future. So, we continue. Satan is bound, and then there are a host of people who rule with Jesus. Verse 4, Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Let's stop there before we go on to this other category of people. Who's going to be ruling with Jesus in the millennial kingdom? Got your pen and paper? Four different categories at least. Number one, the Old Testament saints. That's what it says in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 27. It says, his holy ones are going to be ruling with him. Book of Daniel. So we know that they will be there for sure. There's going to be David and there's going to be Abraham and a whole host of other unnamed ones who are going to be ruling with Christ in the millennial kingdom. The apostles, certainly. Jesus said to them one time, he says, you are going to sit with me on 12 thrones ruling over the tribes of Israel. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. So we know that they are going to be there, the 11 apostles for sure. 
What about us? Well, here's the good news, folks. This was worth coming to church for today. All present believers will also be ruling with Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, you have the promises that we shall reign with him. If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him, Paul says. Jesus said to the churches of the book of Revelation, He who overcomes to him I shall grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I overcame and sat with my father on his throne. It also says in Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 that he has made us kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth as kings and I assume also as queens over the earth sitting with Jesus and carrying out the responsibilities that he gives us. Now at this point your theological mind has to be expanded a little bit. Because you said, well, Pastor Lutzer, you taught us that when the rapture takes place that we are going to have already our heavenly bodies and the people who enter the millennial kingdom during the judgment of the sheep and the goats, they're going to still be in their earthly bodies. They're going to be bearing children. And that is right. Does that trouble you, the fact that we're going to have permanent bodies and still be involved with those who don't? It shouldn't trouble you. Just think of Jesus after the time of the resurrection. Jesus was able to interact with the disciples. Now, mind you, he had a body, the likes of which they didn't have. He could go from Jerusalem to Galilee in a split second. But he ate fish with them. He communed with them. So we are going to be ruling with Jesus Christ over certain territories, carrying out certain responsibilities in the millennial kingdom, and we will rejoice in the fact that God's promises were absolutely and totally fulfilled. Now, we must hurry on. You'll notice it says, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, I'm in the middle of verse 4, for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. What that means is, those who died during the tribulation are raised now also to reign with Christ, which should not surprise us, of course, they would be, and he's simply commenting on that. It says, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Folks, the rest of the dead refers to those who show up at the great white throne judgment that is described at the end of this chapter. I have been preaching at the Moody Church for more than 30 years. I know I look a lot younger than that, but I'm just simply joking. This is the first time in my history here that I'm almost fearful of the next message that I'm called to preach in this series. What I'm going to share with you next week is absolutely chilling. The great white throne judgment at which all unbelievers are conscripted to attend. And they are thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. I want to warn you, pray for me next week especially, because it is a chilling message. So, blessed are those, he says, who participate in the first resurrection. The first resurrection are the resurrections that we talked about of all believers. The second resurrection is the resurrection of the unbelievers. And he says, blessed are those who participate in the first resurrection because over them the second death has no power. 
The second death is the lake of fire. My dear friend, here at Running to Win, we do not try to avoid difficult passages of Scripture and difficult teachings and things that are hard for us to hear. If they're in the Word of God, we believe them and we share them. I'm holding in my hands a book entitled The King is Coming. It discusses events at the end of time, the judgment of believers, the judgment of unbelievers, the coming of Antichrist, and of course, the glories of heaven. I wrote this book to encourage us on our spiritual journey, and we make it available to you. And by the way, this is the last day when we are making it available. We're making it available so that you might be encouraged and that you might be able to walk more closely with God. It's always difficult for us to understand prophecy, but it is given to us for a specific reason. As the scripture says, what kind of people we should be in light of eternity. Once again, and today is the last day, the title of the book, The King is Coming. That was Erwin Lutzer with more of The King Reigns in His Kingdom, the eighth in a ten-part series on The King is Coming. The millennium ends with a final rebellion and a final battle. Then Satan finally gets his infinite sentence in a lake of fire. Next time, how things wrap up as history terminates and eternity begins. The King is Coming is also a book by Erwin Lutzer, and we'll send it as a thank you for your gift of any amount to support Running to Win. Just call us at 1-800-215-5001. That's 1-800-215-5001. Online, go to OfferRTW.com or write to Running to Win, Moody Church, 1635 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60614. For Dr. Erwin Lutzer, this is Dave McAllister. Running to Win is a ministry of the Moody Church.